Welcome to You Are Here, the podcast where we have conversations with people who have courageously taken the road less traveled. I'm your host, Rachel Ree, and in each episode, we'll be exploring stories from people who have followed their own path and are living life on their own terms. Know that we're here to meet you where you are and where you'd like to be. This is You Are Here. Sarah Bauman is someone who I've been familiar with since 2021 or so, when she first came onto the scene into the world of digital collectibles as an artist who caught the attention of Gary Vaynerchuk, or Gary V as you might know him on social media. We talk a lot about her upbringing of growing up in an environment that, yes, did foster creativity, did foster the arts, but also the expectations of going into a quote-unquote stable career in healthcare. Let's dive in to learn more about her journey. In every other conversation, we've talked a lot about your business, Women in Weapons, which we will definitely get into, but it's been less so about your own personal journey and how you started. So when you think back to your upbringing, would you say that it was an environment that fostered your creativity or was it more traditional and conservative or a mixture of both? Um, you know, I want to say maybe a little bit of both. Um, so I think one thing that was really cool is that my parents always really fostered my creativity. My entire family is very artistic. My dad's mother is a painter. And then pretty much my entire family in Iran are all artists. They're either architects or graphic designers or painters or uh, music producers or, you know, something in the arts. Um, and so I think my parents recognizing that art was something that I was very passionate about at a very young age. They really fostered that. They put me into different like art classes. There's a place called Art House near us that I was taking classes there for maybe like two years or so. Um, and one of the things that I used to tell my dad all the time, pretty much as soon as I got home or as soon as he got home from work was, Daddy, let's get down to some serious coloring time. And he would always take me up on that. And next thing you know, we're both on the floor. And we're both drawing and coloring. And so the fact that he was willing to take that kind of time with me to sit, to draw, to color, to really foster my interest in creativity. My parents bought me all kinds of art supplies and let me make a mess all over the house. So they really did foster that aspect of my creativity. But, you know, you kind of mentioned the more conservative aspect. And I suppose there was also a conservative aspect in that. You know, it was kind of expected that, yes, you love art. Yes, you're good at art. Yes, you enjoy it. However, art can be your plan B. It can be your backup, but it's not going to be what your education or your career is. Um, and so it was kind of implanted within me that, like, you are going to make all A's forever. You are going to go to college and you are actually going to go past your bachelor's degree and get a further on degree. And you're going to go and get those degrees in either healthcare, legal, engineering or something of that sort. Um, so art was never really an option for me as a full-time choice, um, even though my parents did foster a lot of that creative flow for me. It was not really one of the things that I was I had support for, I guess you could say, in, in regards to a career. I do think that's something that's very interesting, though, that even though that wasn't necessarily the plan A that your family kind of wanted you to pursue, they still valued and respected that side of your brain. Very much so. Yeah. I mean, anytime I wanted to go to an art museum, absolutely. Let's go. Anytime I wanted to buy a canvas and try a different medium of paint, absolutely. Let's go get it. Let's try it. Let's play with it. Let's, you know, whatever. Do you want to go learn from this teacher? Do you want to go learn from that teacher? Do you want to do ceramics? All of it. But also was, you know, you're really, really good at this, Sarah, but you're not going and getting a college degree in it. 
Um, so it was, a, it was a bit of a mix of the both, which is kind of funny. How did that make you feel growing up as you were entering college or even in high school? Did you feel like, okay, this is the path. All right, my parents wanted me to do this, so I'm going to go pursue this more professional degree. Or did you feel like you could still pursue your passions of creativity and art as a profession? Well, there was never really a, it's an option for me. Um, it was always kind of a, and and I want to say this, like, you know, this is heavily, I think my mom's push was, you're going to go to school and you're going to go to school for something in healthcare. Um, and I remember being maybe a little bit resentful throughout my bachelor's degree because I had to get my undergraduate degree in one of four areas, which was either um, psychology, uh, kinesiology, um, something with pediatric studies or health science. And so I went the health science route. And I remember taking my bachelor's degree courses and absolutely hating every single ounce of it. I mean, I hated it. It didn't feel like it was a fit for me. It didn't feel like it was who I was as a person. I didn't have any interest in it. It was just kind of like a forced learning, a forced material or forced production of material, I should say. Um, I think as a result of that, I was extremely resentful. I remember multiple times telling my mom, I don't want to do this. I do not want to do this. I hate this. Um, and they, those, those statements did not end well. Um, <laughs> uh, I actually ended up going for my master's degree in occupational therapy because I recognized that occupational therapy was a health-related career that also afforded opportunities for creativity. Um, you know, you can be very creative with your patients. You can do art-related things with your patients. You know, whatever it is that's going to help them get to their end goal, you know, of that independence, of that function, whatever it may be. If your patient loves art, then great. That's, you know, a means to therapy. But yeah, it was definitely like a, this is your choice of your degree. This is your choice of your education and you don't really have any other options. And I think I was very resentful as a result of that. Yeah. I mean, I can so relate to that. I actually graduated with a biological sciences degree that funnily enough, I did not necessarily get forced into that degree, but I just kept hearing about science and math all growing up. So I just thought, okay, that was the only path for me. And like you, I just did not love the classes that I was in, but I just continued on with it thinking that was it. So definitely very relatable. And, you know, it's funny, like I, I tell my mom this now, and that's uh, some of the STEM classes that I was the best at were the ones that required a semblance of art. Um, I sucked at every single math course you could possibly imagine, but I was phenomenal at geometry because geometry just made sense for me because it was shapes and I understood how angles worked because art. I was terrible at chemistry, terrible at physiology, but I loved anatomy. Like I loved being able to imagine the muscles, imagine how they were working, imagine how the heart pumped, you know, what it would look like and so on. You know, I could picture that anything that I could picture, I was good at. Um, and so some of the sciences that were more tactile, that were more uh, visible, I was very good at. And, and don't get me wrong, like I didn't hate science. I actually really enjoy science. I still really much, you know, really enjoy reading research. It's just not what I want to practice full time, right. you know. Um, but it is funny, like looking back at the fact that like the sciences that had a semblance of art related to them, I was great at. The ones that were very much non-artistic, not something that you could like picture or see or touch for the birds. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, <laughs> I do think that you touched on something really interesting because even though you pursued a profession in healthcare initially, 
you still found ways to be able to use your creativity and your art in that process. So it didn't necessarily require you to, you know, quit your job at that point and become a full-time artist, but you just found yeah. pockets of opportunity to fulfill yourself. 100%. And even throughout my master's degree, um, I always had my my little online business where I was making and selling jewelry. I was painting custom commissions for people. I was painting cow skulls, which was like my big, that was kind of like my big business during that time was painting cow skulls. So like, even though I was still working, you know, within the sciences, I was very much invested in my art career at that point in time as well. That's great. So you've always kind of had this sort of like side hustle entrepreneurship sort of muscle that you've been flexing throughout the years. Yeah, I think since probably mid high school, I've very much been entrepreneurial, always starting a little business here, a little business there. Um, you know, had my business throughout college and then Jake and I actually got into, um, like Airbnb type businesses and everything together. So it's always been something that I was very much interested in alongside the arts. Yeah. Um, so let's kind of take a step back and talk a little bit in terms of the transition that you made. So at a certain point, I believe maybe it was around 2020, but you correct me if I'm wrong here, but at a certain point, you kind of took your healthcare profession and decided to pivot completely and go full on into your hobbies and passions of creativity, arts, and all of that. So can you kind of talk about that period of time? Yeah. So it was actually January of 2022 that I think I officially quit my career in the hospital. Okay. Um, and but prior to that, you know, many people are familiar with the Women of Weapons story, how that all came to fruition. And the kind of TLDR of that is that, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk bought some of my art pieces in like August of 2021. Fast forward to October 2021, we have the 10,000 piece sellout of our Women in Weapons collection. Um, I was insanely blessed in that I had a manager at the time who would allow me to take any time off that I possibly could to try and work on that collection, work on my art career. Um, but outside of that, you know, anytime I was working in the hospital, I was going home and spending another five to six hours working on that collection as well. That was kind of my beginning point of recognizing that I really want to invest as much of my time as possible into building out my art career. Like healthcare is great, but this is just not where I see myself long-term. Like I really need to start investing in self. Um, and I think whenever Gary V bought my my three pieces, uh, in 2021 was kind of my aha moment that like life is short. You got to do what you're passionate about. And if if you're going to do what you're passionate about, you really got to put yourself into it intelligently. You know, you got to you got to make smart choices and moves, obviously not putting your family in jeopardy. But, um, you know, you really got to go into it and give it your all. And that's essentially what I did. And it sounded like you had a couple of key people that really helped you. So you mentioned Gary Vee, of course, kind of helped catapult your direction, but also your manager at the time. Yeah, my manager at the hospital. Yeah, yeah she was insanely supportive. Uh, actually, one of our women in weapons bodies is named the Carolyn body named after her uh, because she was so insanely supportive of who I was as an artist um, and, you know, me chasing my dreams. And, you know, sometimes pieces just fall into place and you've got to listen to your gut whenever your gut's telling you that, um, you know, it's the right time to make a move. And that was that was that time that my gut was like, girlfriend, things are falling into place. You better get it moving. And I was like, okay, gut, let's go. Yeah. What would you say to someone who 
maybe has this passion or has this hobby, but maybe doesn't necessarily have that kind of support system or, or supportive sort of outside voice to help them say like, hey, go out there and go for it. Yeah, I, that's a great question. I think first and foremost, people need to know that they need to spend time learning. Um, and what I mean by that is like, learn how a business is supposed to be set up. Learn, learn how a business is supposed to operate. Learn why it's important to uh, market yourself on social media platforms, especially as an artist. You know, I've had a lot of people reach out to me that are interested in starting an Etsy and they're like, Sarah, do you think I should start an Etsy? And I say, well, are you planning to make sure that you market yourself on Instagram via Instagram ads? You know, do you have other methods of marketing? Well, no. And I'm like, OK, well, then the primary way that people are going to find what you're selling is going to be through the Etsy search feature. And that's even still going to be extremely limiting. So you really need to study how you're going to market yourself before you get this going. And so one of the things that I recommend to people is to seek out information. And there's lots of information out there. There's lots of resources, whether they be podcasts, YouTubes, books, whatever, you know, whatever you have um, that will help you figure out how to begin that navigation process. And so I think it's important to have a base layer of knowledge before you really get going. That way you kind of have a plan set up for you as you're starting to build things out. And I'm sure for a lot of people, things fall into place organically. They begin a business and it really takes off. And then they find somebody who's very business savvy later on to be their partner in it. Um, but I do think it's always beneficial to have a semblance of knowledge within yourself in regards to that sphere before you jump off the cliff. And I think that's really important because a lot of times, maybe if you're an artist or creative, you know, you might have this idea or vision and think that's enough, but there is actually sort of a base layer of understanding of business, of marketing that you, you do need to have. Yes, 100%. And, you know, looking back, if I could go back to school right now, I would love to find a program that's not just an art program, but an art business and marketing program that really teaches artists how to be independently functional. Um, because I think that a lot of art programs, they teach you fine art, they teach you the skills of painting, they teach you the skills of whatever it may be that your, your craft is. But a lot of times I don't think that they teach the importance of business, the importance of marketing, and so on. And so um, I really think it's important to be um, independent in learning those areas and be responsible to take that on independently as an artist. So in the regard to actually learning new skills and new mediums, you mentioned women and weapons, and I do want to dive into that a little bit more in terms of what that collection means to you and how it started first off. And then also it's the world of Web3, NFTs, digital collectibles, which has all evolved so much. So what have you seen in your business as well through that evolution? Yeah. So Women and Weapons was actually originally created um, based off of a uh, exhibition that I saw by Shireen Nishat that actually kind of showed the dichotomy of treatment of women uh, in Iran versus how men are treated in Iran. And I really recommend checking out some of her artwork. Um, and so Women and Weapons is meant to kind of represent the dichotomy of our our perception of women specifically during the mid-century era, taking these women that were at that point in time not seen as powerful and making them powerful while utilizing these weapons as the symbols and the metaphors of the weapons that women carry into their everyday. Um, and so when Women and Weapons launched, it was really meant to be, you know, this art collection. This is this large art collection. There's this new thing called generative art that's happening where you can create all these various layers and this basically computer 
puts all these layers together to make these generative pieces, essentially, which is really, really cool, you know, for the art space, especially at that point in time, it was very novel um, and something that was really intriguing to me. And so Women and Weapons originally started as a primarily art-based collection. And we did have an initial roadmap, which was like, I think at 10% sellout, I was going to quit my job at the hospital, which that happened very quickly. Um, there was going to be like a merch capsule launch, which we did and so on and so forth. Um, but I really started falling in love with the potential for women and weapons, specifically having that kind of like retro vibe to it. Um, and I saw a possibility for our characters to come to life, um, which we eventually did. We launched season two in 2022 that has a retro futuristic vibe to it. And so now one of the things that we've been working on is bringing those characters to life, one of which we have, which is our character, 3D animated character, Nova, who's telling her story. And we do have like the women and weapons lore of how they went from this 1940s era into the 1960s space race era. Um, but, you know, it's it's been really interesting kind of watching how things have evolved within the Web3 space, specifically from the 2021 time period. So people that might be listening to this that are not familiar with the NFT or the Web3 space, think of a week in, in non-Web3 space. It's just a week for you guys. For us in Web3, a week is like seven years, basically. Things happen extremely quickly. Trends are constantly changing. Technology is constantly updating. It's very, very rapidly paced. And so in 2021, I think it was primarily about the art. It was about the PFP, um, which stands for profile photo. And I think nowadays we're starting to see things trending more so in a direction in regards to NFTs for the potential use cases for the NFT, right? Does the NFT allow you membership to something? Does it allot you a royalty for something? Um, does it give you access to an event? Is it your authentication for a, um, you know, art piece or a luxury item? I think now we've seen NFTs really trending in kind of a more, um, I guess, away from the PFP trajectory and more so towards these everyday use cases type of trajectory. Um, so that's kind of the the observations i suppose that i can say i've i've made most recently within the nft space from this 2021 time period to now heading into the middle of 2023 definitely yeah it's all about sort of what is that customer experience mm -hmm. look like you know from inception of as soon as someone purchases whether it's the art or any other type of good or service from a company or brand and how can you take that customer along on the journey, on the ride of, you know, are you offering events? Are you offering merch? Are you offering, you know, what does that look like? Exactly. And we've seen a lot of different people do it in very interesting ways. You know, we've seen Nike utilizing NFTs for early access to some of their drops. We've seen Gary Vee, who's utilized NFTs as your ticket to his VCon event for three years in a row. Also, some of them have offered access to Gary and so on. Um, so it's been very intriguing to watch how various businesses are utilizing NFTs. And I think it's going to be continuing to be interesting to see how businesses are going to utilize them as soon as I think the technology is more user friendly. Um, you mentioned your character Nova. So could you talk a little bit more about that storyline and also kind of where you seek inspiration? Yeah. So Nova is essentially plucked from the Women and Weapons universe. She's one of our season two characters. Um, we had her fully, um, fully tooled and mapped out. She's a completely 3D rigged animated character. It's actually me who's in the haptic suit wearing this suit. I'm her body motions. I'm also her face 
emotions and I'm also her voice. Um, but what's fun about Nova, so we have our season one characters who are set in like the 1940s when this asteroid is hitting Earth and they find this element called arterium that they find allows specifically women, not men, but women to survive this infusion of arterium that gives them these heightened powers uh, that makes them, you know, this essential weapon in the war force, basically. Um, and so in season two, we find that this arterium element is waning and we need to now hightail it to Mars to get more of this element because we've recognized that this is a very important um, piece of our daily functions, essentially, as human beings. Um, so with Nova, she was in a lab accident in the 1960s. Somehow this lab accident catapulted her to 2023. And she's now in 2023 as a 23-year-old from another time. And she's trying to figure out how to make it as an influencer on social media because that's essentially what everybody is doing these days. Um, right. And I think with her personality, anybody who watches her videos, they'll find that she's a little bit of a spicy personality. Um, and that was essentially how I intended it. Uh, I really wanted her to be kind of the anti-hero, I suppose you could say. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not super for or not super into the kind of like damsel in distress type of personality. I really like that that rugged, tomboy, spicy, um, kind of towing the line of being politically correct type of personality. And I especially like seeing it in a woman. Um, and so that's really what Nova's personality has been modeled after. And part of the reason we chose one of our characters with purple hair was because I recognize that you know, obviously I like it. I think it looks cool, but I also think it stands out on social media when people are scrolling through. Well, that's really interesting that now you're getting into kind of the influencer space, but not necessarily for you yourself, but for Nova. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, if there's one thing that I think that, you know, it could be really cool is for Nova to essentially be kind of standing alone and like getting these influencer type partnerships that can help fund herself right um and so we actually just launched a video yesterday that wasn't not at it was not in partnership with liquid death jake and i just happen to be very big fans of liquid death and so does nova um but we launched a video yesterday uh of nova kind of messing around with this liquid death monster that we created so you should definitely go check that video out i don't know if you've seen it yet but it's quite hilarious and it doesn't make a lot of sense but it's very entertaining what Liquid Death is doing is so incredible. So I love that you're building um, just organically to kind of get the attention of that brand as well and something that you seek inspiration from. I think that's also a lesson too, as someone, you know, maybe who's listening is trying to get into an entrepreneurship sort of journey is how do you want to align yourself or who do you want to align yourself with? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think from very early on, myself and Jake recognized that like Liquid Death would be a brand that myself as an independent artist, Women and Weapons as a brand, and Nova as a character could very much align with because they're also kind of a spicy brand. They're a little bit sassy. Um, you know, they kind of live on that that line of being politically incorrect. Um, and I, I love everything that they do. I just love their vibe. And that's one of the reasons that we really wanted to put something out there and hopefully get their attention but also showcase, you know, who Nova is. What is Nova interested in? What is she like? These are the brands that she's intrigued by. That way people can get a better semblance of who she is and what her personality is as well. You know, I think you are doing some really incredible, innovative things. I'd love to um, maybe separately talk a little bit about what that Nova character looks like um, behind the scenes, because what you yeah. described 
Sounds very cool. Um, but I think alongside that, you know, it comes across as something very innovative and very confident of you to be able to try to pursue these things that not a lot of people are actually doing. So I think though, when you do start to venture off and find your own path, sometimes a lot of people can actually experience feelings of imposter syndrome. And you yeah. yourself, I know, are a very confident person, but is that something that you've experienced along the way, whether it was even in healthcare, making the transition to full-time artist to now sort of where you are currently? Um, is that something that you've experienced at all? Well, I certainly appreciate you saying that I'm confident because I am definitely not super confident. I appreciate that though. <laughs> um, but no, imposter syndrome is so real. Um, I think coming into the space, one, Web3 was extremely overwhelming whenever you're coming in and like anybody you're on Twitter spaces with or on an interview with, they're kind of talking like they are the foremost expert in Web3 when in reality, right. especially at that point in time, none of us really were. And so here I am, this healthcare professional backslash artist who's jumping into this very tech heavy space, very jargon heavy space. And like, I'm I'm pretty sure I get it. But then I start getting on these Twitter spaces with people. I'm like, well, maybe I don't get it. Maybe I shouldn't say anything. Um, so the imposter syndrome is absolutely real. Uh, even as an artist, I think the imposter syndrome is really real because it's obviously not something that I've been doing as a, you know, full-time professional career for years and years and years, like many of the other artists that I'm working alongside. Um, so it, it's very hard to um, kind of toe that line of feeling confident. But I think the moral of the story whenever it comes to that is, you know, leading with authenticity. You know, if you don't get it, if you don't know it, don't act like you get it and don't act like you know it. Let people know, like, I am not the foremost expert in this, but here's kind of what I think. Like, here's my opinion. And please correct me if I'm wrong, um, because I think that there's people are very quick to be able to sniff out inauthenticity. And so if you're just honest and you're authentic and you're genuine about who you are, where you stand, what you're understanding of things are, I think people generally are very um, open to help, open to be uh, a resource essentially for you. So that's that's the best way to lead if you are feeling that semblance of imposter syndrome. And also recognize that you're not the only one feeling that way. There's probably like 80% of the population that's in your space that are also feeling the exact same way. Totally. And I think that's so accurate. I have friends that are in PhD programs. I have friends that are medical doctors and they have all felt it even in these very professional sort of journeys that they're on. So no matter what you are, whether you're an artist or student or you know, doctor, whatever it is, everyone has felt it at some point in their journey. Yes, absolutely. And there's no shame in the game. There's no shame in admitting that you are not you know, the most expertly expert at something. Um, we're always learning and growing and that is totally okay. And I think you touched on something too that's really important is the level of authenticity because that is truly what people resonate with. I know that for myself, you know, as a content creator, I've shared certain experiences, life experiences that are very personal to me and I'm not showing up as some expert in one field, but I'm just kind of authentically showing up this is my journey. This is what I've learned. This is this might resonate with you. It might help you and it might not. And I think that's the kind of narrative that people tend to draw themselves towards. Right, right. And, you know, I think also whenever you speak as an expert, you can also sometimes get yourself in trouble if you are not actually an expert in that field. So that's another thing that I think people really need to be cautious of whenever they do go out speaking publicly is, you know, really be careful of how, um, I guess, 
how permanent your statements are and how severe they are, you know, be cautious about that. Yeah, absolutely. So actually speaking about experts, so I know that you are kind of offshooting and sort of evolving a little bit with your brand because you've learned so much within the Web3 space yourself. You and your husband, Jake, who you mentioned earlier, are uh, becoming consultants of some sort. Yeah, well, we're, we're certainly very open now to advising people. Um, I think, you know, Jake and I, we regularly look at each other and pat ourselves on the back and we recognize that what we've grown is something really incredible. Um, you know, I think that we are among like the top four female founded um, collections within the Web3 space. We've really garnered a phenomenal community of humans and we've built a brand and a business. Um, and I think that we recognize that there's a lot of help that we can provide to others. And that's why we actually are partnered with Intro. Um, and so we're taking advising meetings with Intro uh, for various people who are interested in getting into Web3, who are interested into delving into NFTs. You know, they can book a meeting with us and chat with us on how to navigate those waters or what our, what our thoughts basically are. They can kind of uh, pick our brains a little bit. And what is something, so it sounds like you're doing a lot of different things. There's a lot of different business ventures that and projects that you're a part of. Um, what's something that you've kind of unexpectedly experienced during this journey of creative entrepreneurship? Oh, gosh, that's a really good question. I think one of the things that I've found is that I am much better at marketing than I had originally thought that I was. Um, but I also realize that it's something that I still have a lot of learning to do. Um, and so I don't know if that's totally unexpected. I think maybe I, I didn't think I was going to be as successful at it as we are. So I guess that's, that's probably the most unexpected thing thus far. Yeah. You know, I think honestly, when it comes to marketing, if you can show up authentically, like you mentioned before, that's the first step of it. You know, are you unafraid to show up as yourself? on whatever social media platform that there is. There's so many now, but, you know, whichever path or platform that you choose, like, can you actually have your own voice and own that? And that's sort yeah. of marketing 101, I feel like. Yeah, I think that. And also, um, I <laughs> I didn't think we were going to be as good at brand development as we are. But, you know, I catch myself all the time being like, that's not on brand. That's not on brand. That's not on mm -hmm. our. That doesn't jive with our brand. And, you know, I... I don't think that I thought that that was going to be something that I had as great of a skill with as I do. And as we talk about brand, what do you think sets a good brand apart from maybe a not so strong one? Well, I think one is cohesiveness. Uh, I think the brand's voice needs to be very cohesive. Um, so like, for example, with Women and Weapons, we are not a super girly girl type of brand, right? We're a little bit more of that like tomboy edgy brand. And so if say we are going to have partners, we really want to make sure that those partners fit our aesthetic and fit our brand. So it's got to be something that's a little edgy. It's got to be something maybe that's a little retro. Um, it's got to be something that's garnered more so towards adults as opposed to children. Um, and so I think you really need to silo that brand voice and not shoot your net too, too wide, because I think whenever a brand shoots their net too wide is whenever they start losing a lot of people. So it's important to really try to keep it narrow, keep it on brand, whether it be your color scheme, your fonts, who you're partnering with, what the brand voice is, um, you know, how you're putting yourselves out there whenever it comes to like the statements of the brand and what have you, everything needs to be cohesive. And also, I think what you're touching on, too, is what your values are. 
Are there any dream partnerships or brands that you'd love to work with or have Nova work with? Yeah, well, for sure, Liquid Death is definitely one of them. Um, I think Aviation Gen would be incredible. And, you know, I'd love, I'd love at some point in time to see if she could ever, and this is a really far out there thought, but I would love to do something with Nova and Deadpool at some point in time because I feel like Deadpool's personality is also very much on par with who Nova is. Um, and then in regards to women and weapons, I think just about any brand that really is forefront on being authentic and being truly you, but also a little edgy, for example, I think brands like Fenty would be really perfect for women and weapons. Um, and then also like some of Kat Von D's various brands, I think would also be very much on par with women and weapons. But those are a couple of my, uh, my moonshots there. Yeah, I can definitely see it. All of the ones that you mentioned for sure. Actually, one question that I didn't ask earlier that I was curious about. So for women and weapons, you mentioned the weapons are more uh, of a symbol, right? Um, what is your weapon? I think I'm a, I'm either a dagger or brass knuckles type of girl. Um, you know, I, I, <laughs> I guess I like that hand combat. It's just like, it gives me this feeling of like strength and power, weirdly enough. I also think they're pretty. Is that weird? Like, I think that they're very beautiful. When I went to the Met Museum in New York, one of the things that I find I found myself gravitating towards were the inlaid swords and weapons uh, from like the Ottoman Empire, the Persian Empire and what have you. I just thought they were beautiful in this like dichotomy of this immense like beauty and art, art, artistic, I guess, capability in like mirrored with this weapon that was probably being used to kill people with or harm people with or what have you. I just think it's really interesting. It's fascinating. And I think it's beautiful too. I think that's part of why I gravitated towards painting on skulls as well. Yeah. Even having met you in person a couple of times, like I can definitely see how your personality and your sort of just persona and aura actually resonates and is very much integrated within the art that you create as well. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I I think I myself am a bit of a dichotomy. Like I grew up being this Iranian girl who was kind of expected to like, you know, sit and be nice and yada yada, who also loved to go kart and dirt bike and get in the mud and ride horses and like hang out with all the boys. Um, so I I certainly never fit into a particularly girly mold uh, growing up or even now. Um, and I think I like things that are kind of along that same same line definitely um so before embarking on the pivot that we have talked about for the last half hour or so um is there one piece of advice that you wish you could tell your younger self especially during that period of transition that you were going through yeah i think the one piece that i would probably tell my younger self would would have been to really start studying earlier um and whenever i mean studying earlier i mean like studying various different art techniques um learning and really diversifying what what types of art I could be skillful at, um, but also learning business earlier on. I think being whenever I was younger, I didn't realize that like podcasts and YouTube videos and books were resources for learning this kind of thing. I thought that 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 learning was supposed to come from an education. It was supposed to come from you going to college or you taking courses in high school. I don't think I had considered that I could have listened to podcasts or gone gone to conferences or read books about how to do some of these things. And I do wish that that was something that I would have executed a, a little bit earlier. Yeah. I mean, right now, education is, I guess, online 
you know, any, what, who is it? Marie Forleo always says like everything is figure outable. Yes. And I think that's very true. I mean, we have so many resources now. I'm a little older than you. And so we didn't necessarily have the Googles and the YouTubes and all of that growing up. I, we had to, you know, learn it from the classroom or yeah. look up the Dewey Decimal System and go to the yeah. library and yeah. check out books. So. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, I'll be honest, I don't even remember if YouTube was around whenever I was in high school or not. I do remember the iPhone coming around like maybe my senior year of high school or something. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't even know if those were accessible at that point in time. But darn it, I could have checked out books from the library. Uh, but, you know, when you're a kid, you're more focused on like going out and spending time with friends than you are on sitting at home and reading through a book on how to be a great, you know, business person and artist in your future. Um, so if I could talk to younger me, I would have been like, girl, focus on this. You'd be amazed at how much it's going to help you later on. Yeah. I mean, I think that key advice is so important of just be a student, constantly mm -hmm. learn. If you have a passion, look at it from all angles because you never know how that is going to come up into fruition in your future. Yes, absolutely. And especially now that we have just this like absurd wealth of knowledge all around us. I mean, you can learn just about anything online nowadays. You don't have to go and get an education for it. And especially, you know, whenever there are things like these various trades of like learning how to be a graphic designer, learning how to use SketchUp or AutoCAD or Unreal Engine or Blender, like a lot of these things you can actually teach yourself by one, playing with it and two, you know, looking up online tutorials and seeing how other people are doing it and then kind of learning from that. So um, there's a lot of free information out there nowadays. Yeah. And I think that that is really important, too, is being a practitioner. So not just watching the tutorial, but then watching it and then actually doing it and trying yes. it. Because a lot of times I feel like there is so much information out there and we can read all the things and watch all the things, but and feel like we're learning, but we're not actually until we actually get our hands in there, get dirty and try to figure things out for ourselves. This is why they have internships. Right. And um, yeah. I do feel like that's that's kind of like another little slide in there is that you know even if you're not a student even if you are I don't know a full-blown adult that's like graduated college I think it's also good to not skip out on the potential of an internship either you may not be a student but somebody still may be willing to take you under their wing to intern with them for three months and really get that hands-on yeah. experience and learn something too so I would say also don't uh don't rule that one out yeah especially if you're someone who wants to pivot into a different field or area. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for this conversation. I know all your socials. I will go ahead and leave that down in the show notes below for anyone that wants to learn more about you, learn more about women and weapons, and just try to connect with you more. Thank you so much, Rachel. And thank you for doing this for people who, you know, maybe are wanting to take that leap and change their career and do something that they're really passionate about. We appreciate it.